You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now present the Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Welcome to the Health Hub on Radio Maria Canada, exploring cutting-edge health and wellness information and therapies, helping you to take your health to the next level. I am your host, Kathy Biasse, and I'm a holistic nutritionist and a professional cancer coach. Today, we are delving into the topic of leadership. Really interesting when you're looking at it from a health perspective, and our guest today is Cody Hall. Cody is a founder, CEO, and leadership expert. Cody has a diverse background in military, technology, and healthcare, making him capable of leading organizations and teams effectively. Cody led customer service and human resource teams from early-stage startups to industry-leading tech giants, creating benchmark customer experiences and employee journeys for teams, large and small. After his time with larger organizations, he set off to impact innovative companies, starting and assisting multiple startups in developing world-class teams, customer experiences, and technology workflows. After years in technology, Cody was recruited to join the Titanium Healthcare team as the chief compliance officer. Cody led the company's cultural development policy, and refined the organization's human capital management abilities. Cody's time at Titanium inspired the creation of Octiva in 2020. This is really a, a different angle that we're looking at things from in a healthcare perspective when we talk about leadership coupled with healthcare. You know, we talk about things like what are some of the hardships of leadership, you know, how how to seek out proper healthcare support for leaders, what causes leaders to seek out health support? Can we cultivate leaders? Are our leaders born? Does our society promote leaders, promote people to expand beyond the normal constraints? Really, really interesting things that come out of this conversation. I really do hope you will stay tuned with us. We'll be back to talk to Cody Hall in just a few minutes. feels perfect other days it just ain't working the good the bad the right the wrong and everything in between yo it's crazy amazing we can turn our heart through the words we say mountains crumble with every syllable broken live or die so speak life You speak hope, you speak love, you speak, 
tongue gets twisted. Other days my thoughts just fall apart. I do, I don't, I will, I won't. It's like I'm drowning in the deep. Well, it's crazy to imagine words from my lips as the arms of compassion. Mountains crumble with every syllable. Who can live or die? So speak You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now continue with the program, The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. Um, this show has been taped, so no opportunity for calling in. We would love for you to follow us on our social sites. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and we are at the Health Hub RMC on all three locations. Cody, welcome to the show. Such a pleasure having you here. Kathy, thank you for having me. You've got a quite an interesting path leading you to where you are now, which is actually going to be the crux of our show. It's going to be really interesting because we haven't really tackled leadership and its perspective within health. But give us a background of how you got to where you are today. Yeah, well, I I think I started off everything in the military uh, right out of high school, uh, right into the Marine Corps where I spent the beginning parts of my adult life. From there, I came out to really do something other than be a Marine, uh, finished my education and went straight to Apple, fortunately. Uh, it was a very, I call it luck, which is really opportunity meeting preparation in my mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I start off with a strong career with Apple. And from Apple, uh, after all my graduations, I was uh, poached by Amazon which I went over to, and that's what brought me to California, uh, where I started working for Amazon during the twilight hours because Amazon never stops moving. They're (laughs) (laughs) 24-7. So I found myself working at HR, Amazon at nighttime, and during the daytime, 
I discovered these things called startups, which were really cool kind of like projects um, with money, uh, fortunately, some of them. And uh, so I started doing those during the daytime. And so I was for close to two years of my life, I was working at a startup during the daytime, nighttime at Amazon. Uh, and that was pretty much all I did. And it was all focused on being the, the HR resource. Uh, eventually, I broke out of HR, which is funny how I went from Marine Corps to HR. Uh, it just kind of happened. Um, and then I got an operations. And so it was really a strong tech beginning. And then I not saying I called all the things that are happening with COVID and the, the complications of the market, but I knew something was brewing after so many years of prosperity. And so I wanted to get into a stronger industry. And so, which wasn't the application startup world. And so that's how I got into healthcare. Uh, so I got into an organization that was focused on chronic illness and really trying to untangle all the complexities of uh, United States based healthcare. Uh, and then from there, I wanted to put a twist on it. And so I would support a private equity. I started up my own organization, Octiva Healthcare, which I started and operated for just over two years. What did you find interesting in the healthcare space? Something different than Amazon, Apple? I, I well, one healthcare person that comes to my mind is unnecessarily complicated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, you know, really it's just, you know, Things that need to happen and someone needs to pay for it. And somewhere between those two things is about a million trails that go left, right, up and down. Um, but what I found out in the tech world is the focus on simplicity is oftentimes the goals of many new features and new technology. And so how do we make this as simple and effective as possible? Where in healthcare, it seems like overcomplicating things is something that we just believe has to take place because that's healthcare. And so where technology is clean, clear cut to the point, healthcare is it's smoke and mirrors and it's it's extra everything. Do you find um, when you're making all of these transitions, there's got to be some undertone of similarity um, between what I, there's a progression, obviously, but you're finding some undertone of similarity in there with all of these different ventures. There has to be something that's grasping you to move forward with these different things. Absolutely. Um, And I think it's a combination of both personal and professional Uh, on the personal side. You know, I was looking for a growth. Uh, I never wanted to be in HR. Uh, HR just kind of happened. Uh, I was given a career opportunity to kind of, they, they refer to it as a uh, career experience at Apple. And I fell into HR and then I was like, oh, I can do this. And then it just kind of happened. Um, but I wanted to get into operations and I wanted to get into more of a general leadership role. So that kind of led these different moves. Um, on the other side of that, I wanted to always have an impact. So I think that was a big part of moving to healthcare was in technology. We like to proclaim that we're impacting people's lives. We're making it different. But what I really saw was just a, uh, a new and clever way every year or every application to take people's money. And so <laughs> I really didn't, I didn't really see the impact on people's life. Just how do we get people to, to buy more iPhones? How do we get people to buy more things on prime day? And then, 
and then you're going into applications. How do we get more active users and more in-app purchases? And so it's just, it was just all these mouse traps trying to, it was proclaimed to change people's life, but really just take their money. And so that's why I went to healthcare as well, because I wanted to feel different about what we were doing. Uh, and then it's something I, I felt every day when I was in the healthcare field. You're very um, high on leadership, and obviously you are a leader. Anyone who is a CEO, founder of a company, your leadership is is a necessary piece of the puzzle. Do you believe that you were born to lead, or was this something that was cultivated throughout your experiences? I definitely want to say that it's something that I was born with. Um, I... I wish that there was parts of my life where I could just fall into the crowd, as we say in the military, be the gray man, <laughs> just the person <laughs> in the middle that no one remembers, just the guy. He was there, but he or she was there, but not really standing out. But it's it just never been me. I've always put myself uh, in the position to uh, be the person leading. And it's not because I think that I could do it better than everyone else. It's just something that's called to me in all my experiences i would never be a person sits there and just like all right let's see whatever whoever stands up and takes charge of this group will do whatever they say i've always been the person standing up and taking charge um and you know it's actually quite funny my partner and i were talking last night uh in depth on the ideas between what a manager and a leader is odd topic for a monday night but um, it's something that truly it's, you know, you can teach management and a manager is someone who is really doing what their manager told them, who's really doing what their manager told them. And somewhere along the line, there's a leader who's driving this vision and the, the direction of all these managers. And that's the difference between a manager and a leader. One is, has marching orders and objectives and one has a vision and, and these goals. And so I've always been more the vision, the goals, and never much of the manager type. <laughs> what type of hardships come with being that guy? Failure, uh, being wrong. Um, and Is it I, harder know, to rebound, do you think? Um, it, can, it, it has been, depends on what the failure is. Um, but I always like to quote Winston Churchill and say that success is the enthusiasm we carry um, between our failures. Mm -hmm. And I think that whenever something doesn't turn out the way I want it, the way someone who's invested in my project or me wants it, I always ask, what was my opportunities? What can I take from uh, what what took place, what occurred, the outcome, and how can I apply that learn going forward? And I think that takes a very honest mentality. Um, I'm very hard on myself. I always say no one can beat me up harder than I can. Um, and yeah, there, there's a difficult, I think it's very lonely being a leader. Um, and it's, and that itself is why we have so many mental health crises amongst entrepreneurs. Well, how do you deal with that? Uh, you know, I see therapy um, uh, mostly, I think for about a year and a half, I did every week, you know, speaking to a, a therapist slash uh, an executive coach who coaches executives. And um, 
I think most of it is is realizing that one, you're not the only person. You know, I went to this thing called uh, Founders Anonymous, where we were anonymously talking to other founders of companies, whether it was you know MVPs or unicorns. We had a couple unicorn leaders in the organization, but it was something that was a, a way to realize that you're not by yourself. Do you? feel because it sounds like sort of a we'll put this common name on it a type personality do you feel you get along better with other leaders who maybe are in the same competitive mindset as you or with those that are more of the follower group definitely i, I definitely the the leaders i I have a mentality coming from the military special operations that iron sharpens iron um, and my mentality and my, my friend circle uh, and how small it is, it really comes down to putting myself around people who are going to challenge me, who are going to keep me accountable. I think it's easy being a leader amongst followers because you're the only leader. Uh, there's not a whole lot of uh, back and forth. There's not a whole lot of pushback coming in your conversations or uh, approaches to your ideals versus the next. Um, so I definitely like being surrounded with not like-minded people, but like mentality. Now, do you see a problem in many situations and stay up at night and try and figure out a solution for this? Is this one of the the detriments of being a leader? <laughs> yeah, I think being a, a thought leader, uh, an inspirational person where you're, you're, you're the problem solver, is it's like a wonderful burden. I wouldn't say it's like the presidency, uh, but it's this mentality. Uh, my brain never turns off. And I imagine there are many people and like me and these different types of leaders where their mind's always moving. Uh, and the idea of Octiva, I came up with that in my dream. I refined that model in my dreams. And so it's kind of difficult at times because your brain never turns off. My uh, my therapist equates it to a car that's always idling. And so you have to find out how to rest your engine. And, and that is itself uh, its own difficulties, finding places where your brain can turn off, engaging in different ways. So it's thinking about other things and not necessarily the problems you're seeking to solve. Okay. So tell me this, where is your fun? Where does that lie in life? Oh yeah. Um, uh, so, <laughs> you know, I, I blanket statement. I like having fun in everything I do. Um, I bring humor to even some of the most serious situations. And I think that uh, that in part um, plays into my ability to endure the frequency of tough situations. But uh, I love Going out camping, I'm a big uh, recreational shooter. Um, obviously, being from the military, I did, I did competitive shooting. Um, I love exercising. So, you know, right now I I have a ten year old daughter. I have a, a partner who is T minus uh, fourteen days out from birth, hmm. and so um, I love going to exercise because it's you know it's I get to get out of the house, I get to go run, and you know my focus is either on the treadmill watching my YouTube videos because I do tons of different investments and those are fun things for me. Um, so really just exercise and getting out into nature uh, and getting away from 
the the tech world and the people world is fun sometimes being by myself. What forced you or what was the the moving force for you to actually go to therapy? Um, I had at that point in time, a year and a half ago, I had been already through two, we can call them crisis. You know, when you run the engine so hard, so long, you're just kind of jumping from crash to crash. And at this point in time, I had already been in startups for six plus years and I was feeling myself kind of taking on too much. Uh, I kind of felt as if my tank was full, my passion bucket was empty, and I was just really pushing myself a little too hard. And I felt that strain, and I was wondering, well, I, I can't let off the gas because I'm only a year and a half to starting this company and coming from another venture and then jumping from another venture after that. So I just rolled them all into one. So I realized I had to do something kind of like on the move. <laughs> so I had to uh, figure out how to find peace and how to relax and deal with some of the challenges I was facing internally as a person uh, while not slowing down on what I was doing. And so um, started seeing my uh, another CEO recommended this uh, coach and therapist who he saw every day um, and then started talking to her every week for an hour and a half and, and not slowing down, not stopping my venture. I always thought that, okay, I need to keep going because there's no time to break. There's no time to let off the gas. Uh, but what I was realizing is by doing so, I was making myself tired. Uh, I was impacting my creativity because I wasn't resting. Um, I wasn't taking care of myself. So I wasn't really performing optimal. I thought I was, but I wasn't. And so, it helped me get out of my own mind, create my own space, relax, figure out how to calm myself down uh, during, you know, periods of high stress loads. So self-management was uh, something that really came from it. It's it's interesting to know. I think people, when they see leaders, they see the guy who has it all or the gal who has it all. Um, but with great uh, achievements, I would think come great sacrifices and if this is the case, what do you think has been your greatest sacrifice as being a leader? Personal relationships. Um, I, though I, I, I have my family who I have today. Um, it's been at a large cost. I've had multiple failed relationships, marriages. Um, and that's a lot for someone who's 32 years old uh, to say that they've had failed marriages. Um, I cycle through friends because I'm so focused on where I'm going at with my companies, with my projects that I don't nurture, nurture relationships. Um, yeah, those have been the biggest sacrifices in trying to achieve what I've achieved in my, my short tenureship and in, in my professional world. But um I think that one thing I've gone through in the past year and a half, really getting back to the, the therapy piece was that uh, I went from thinking what matters is, is you know, revenue times X <laughs> times, you know, evaluation, things like that. And I was always worried about application use cases and what I was doing, but what I was really neglecting was the most important currency of them all, which is relationships. And I think, 
that that helped me turn into myself, turn into my, my relationship and start focusing on making sure it's healthy so that my other things in life can be healthy. And I, and I saw it kind of pay forward. You know, I'm, you know, since then I've obviously left my previous venture and it's, you know, it has this new CEO, it's new direction. Um, and I've started new ventures that are very successful and also balanced with me. Who's, who's also very successful in his own personal health. So it was a, a real switch on how I was, looking at what sacrifice it needed to be and in order to achieve what success I thought I needed to achieve. It sounds like you've got a whole bunch of wisdom in a short span of time, which is, I guess, can be a wonderful thing, but it also can be something that is very, um, something you got to deal with a lot. And it sounds like you're coming out on the right side of things. We're going to take a quick break here and we'll come back, uh, speak with Cody. We're going to continue along the same, the same vein here because I just love the conversation. So everybody will be back in just a few minutes. I woke up in darkness Surrounded by silence, so where, where have I gone? I woke to reality, losing its grip on me, oh where, where have I gone? Cause I can see the before I see the sun Took me so long I was looking outside As if love would ever want to hide I'm finding I was wrong Cause I can feel
You are listening to The Health Hub here on Radio Maria Canada, a Catholic voice wherever you are. To contact us and be a part of the show, email thh at radiomaria.ca. We now continue with the program. Here once again is your host, Kathy Biasi. Welcome back. We are talking leadership with Cody Hall. It's such an interesting topic. I think we all see that leaders of the world have it all. Leaders of business have it all. They've got wealth. They've got happiness. Um, Obviously, Cody, with what we've discussed, there's a lot of management. There's a lot of self-help that goes into being able to run on all cylinders like you're doing. Would you say that you're happy? Definitely. Um, and I, you know, I, I say definitely right away, but I can say that because I haven't always been happy. And I think that uh, happiness is also not a destination. It's more a journey. Um, and, you know, if you would have asked me uh, a year ago what I was focusing on today, what I was waking up to, to achieve first thing in the morning, it would have been to address the current issues, address the challenges, you know, the projects of the day. Uh, but today was waking up so that I could teach um, multi, multi-digit multiplication to a 10-year-old. And so, so, and then I, and I asked myself, I'm like, what is my purpose? What does teaching multi-digit multiplication to a 10-year-old uh, have to do with my long-term success as an entrepreneur? Um, and it really comes down to my perspective. And it's one, um, can I find happiness in what I'm doing, even if what I'm doing isn't, you know, generating an, an X return? And it, it's yes. And I think that's um, why I'm happy or what I'm at, because I'm enjoying what I'm doing. Uh, you know, I, I make the joke nowadays that I'm a stay-at-home yoga dad. Uh, and it's, it's, it's very true. Uh, and I think finding patience, and finding the ability to enjoy what I'm doing uh, on in in a field, I'll uh, call it a field, a division of my life that hasn't been what I focused on uh, since I started my professional career, which was figuring out how to grow a company, how to get to X, how to get to X, but rather more a simplistic, uh, intrinsic, uh, personal growth. Uh, and that's what's kind of led to my happiness, realizing that, you know, not focusing on my career and how that's going to do everything and how it's going to fulfill me, but more finding, striking that balance. And how does this impact your parenting, do you think? Like, do you, do you see your child as a leader and therefore you're cultivating that? Or does everything go off the table and you're just sitting there and enjoying and it's a totally different aspect from the business world? No, absolutely not. They run in parallel. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I'm uh, I'm sitting there teaching multiplication uh, while I'm approving um, proposals for my business development team on another venture that I'm uh, that I've helped start. And so, you know, they're they're side by side, but it, it's finding the prioritization. Um, and then I realized, you know, I asked myself, like, what am I getting from this challenge to, from being a parent? What is being a parent teaching me about being an entrepreneur? Uh, what is being an entrepreneur teaching me about being a parent? And I, and I see my, my, see my daughter, this person who in so many ways is like me, 
right? She despises math uh, <laughs> in her fifth in her fifth grade, and she doesn't understand why she has to learn it. And, and but she's very creative, and she thinks outside the box, and she's very imaginative. And I look at this child, and I'm like, oh my goodness, this is an entrepreneur. All right, she's crazy. Uh, she has she has off the wall with ideas. She doesn't want to do anything status quo. Uh, and, you know, she's kind of against the traditional approach to education. She just wants to do things. And so I'm looking at her and I'm she's she's growing me and my patience, uh, which is something I need more of. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so learning how to breathe when I'm frustrated um, and, and have conversations appropriately. Uh, and then also I'm teaching her. Uh, how to manage the things you want to do in life uh, and, and couple them with the things that you need to do in life. And so really it's, it's a, it's a bi-directional education. Uh, I'm teaching her uh, how to grow and become a successful person. And she's teaching me as a successful person, how to be patient. The need versus want piece there. Are you, do you ever have trouble negotiating that? Oh, no, I'm very realistic. Um, you know, I grew up uh, very poor uh, from a broken home. And so my entire life has always boiled down to what I need. And, and need is a need for survival. Uh, and so for me, the need is always burned into my mind and present. It's something that's always there. I refer to it as poor kid syndrome. Because it's something that no matter what, I always think about worst case scenario, what do I need to survive? What does my family need? So for me, it's easy to distinct what's there and what's not. Um, trying to help her out with that. <laughs> so she has a lot, uh, a lot more fortunate life than, uh, than I did, than, than my partner did uh, growing up. So it's, uh, uh, it's something that I'm trying to you know, transcend into her brain for mine. Do you think you can cultivate a leader or are you born a leader? You're, I, I think you're born it. So you're either born a leader or you're going to work to become a strong manager. And I think that it, it really comes down to the mentality of things. Uh, I think leaders, uh, to, to be a leader, you're teaching, you know, this idea of teaching a leader is uh, teaching them innovation you know, teaching them to inspire, teaching them to to step forward uh, out of a line of people and be solitaire and alone. Uh, teaching them, the idea of trying to teach someone that uh, is trying to teach them to be a person, a type of person. And I think that's what a leader is. I think people and the leader itself can come in different quantities. I think some people can be leaders in certain things. But when I think of a, an entrepreneur and a leader in quotation marks as this person who we define as a leader, I think teaching that is uh, it's not something that you're going to be able to do from a textbook. I think you can grow strong managers, but I don't think you can cultivate a leader unless they have that raw material in the beginning. With the schooling system, with the hierarchies of things, do you think that we have a society that really cultivates the leadership qualities of leaders? Not at all. Uh, education system. And after a day of coming from parent-teacher conferences yesterday, uh, it really, the system and, you know, great books out there like Rich Dad, Poor Dad that talk about what society trains us to be. And what it really is doing is it's trying to fill its own needs. 
the education system teaches the basics that are needed to go get a college degree that teaches you the things that are in demand at the time that they're in demand. Um, and then occasionally amongst those people who go to those education systems, you have those leaders, those people, those innovators who break out from the crowd. And that's why you see um, the, the average millionaire's GPA in college, if they went to college, was closer to a 2.0 than a 4.0. Uh, and they and they struggled in the basics throughout their entire career because they didn't they didn't conform to this traditional education system and and that was me uh, I had a a two point one three in college uh, you know I, I barely made it out of high school uh, and and I've found success in business and uh, everything I've done uh, not because I'm a specialized educated person in one thing just because of who I am and I know a whole list of folks from the different um, community and social groups that I've connected with that are very similar cuts of the same folks that pop out of this traditional system that's been created to create a, a mass success, a mass education, which I believe in. I believe education produces poverty, reduces likelihood of war, likelihood of disease. And so education is very important. However, the people that we're speaking about, they usually break out from that system in the positive way because they weren't conforming to what the system was saying was success. Was success. Well, do you think then we are, we are squelching the souls of some leaders or are leaders going to be leaders no matter what platform you're talking about? I think people are going to ultimately, if, if the runway is long enough, <laughs> I think people are going to um, become what they want to become or, and this is the sad part, I tell my daughter this, is the scariest thing in the world uh, that can ever happen to you is meeting the person you could have been. That's what's, that is going to be the scariest thing in life. And so be that person today. And I think that while there is a percentage of the population that we crush their hopes, we crush who they want to be, the passions they want to have. Uh, I think now, today, more than ever, those people exist at a higher number than they ever have before. Uh, and it's empowered by things called the metaverse, Web3, cryptocurrencies, these things, these different ways of being entrepreneurs is giving people the empowerment to do something besides working a $15 an hour job. And we ask ourselves, well, why are there so many jobs and not a lot of people working? Because there's a lot of people working for themselves. And now that may change because we have a, a looming recession. And as uh, Warren Buffett says, we find out who's been swimming with no pants on when the tide goes out. We're going to find that there's going to be a lot of these folks who are new to this entrepreneur game, this investment game. We're going to find out which ones we're taking on the most risk. And those people will have to forego their ambitions, their passions, their dreams, and go focus on survival. Um, but I think the system does wash out some, and I think it does uh, conform the uh, a, a portion of the population that has dreams and ambitions. But the thing is, is I'm a true believer that the world is in itself a pyramid-like shape. There can't be a hundred CEOs for for fifty companies. <laughs> so mm -hmm. there there can only be one CEO, right? And so. 
there can only be one Jeff Bezos, one Elon Musk. And these people rise, and then I'm in no way, shape, or fashion at, in the same building as them, let alone the same room. But the mentality and the approach that they take to business, this is very similar to other folks just like them. Interesting. Getting back to you personally, has there been a most significant venture that you've been, one that's shaped you more than anything else? Or are they all stepping stones to where you are now? Um, I will actually think yes and no. So yes to stepping stones. No to one being more significant. But if I had to point to it, I'd say Octiva, my most previous one. I think that I was running an organization that I started from 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 zero, from like no idea, no direction. Where where do we go? Um, and you know, taking on private investors and things like that, it taught me that you can be in charge and not be the person with the decision making power. And I think what I learned from Octiva. And, and, and other ventures before that, but really Octiva taught me is uh, I don't want to work for anyone. Uh, and that includes investors, that includes directors of boards. Uh, I love advisors and I, I like people who are my devil's advocate, who poke holes into my balloons and, and push against my ideas. That's, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying someone with control over my venture. And I think for that reason, um, everything I do going forward will always be uh, majority. I will own a majority of decision-making power because I never felt truly uh, at Octiva because I was using other people's money who own a majority organization to that I could really make the decisions that I wanted to make. It was more so, oh, I have to make these decisions or else the board's going to gonna you know exit me stage left and so mm-hmm. that that was a uh i realized that oh i'm i am an entrepreneur but i have strings attached to me uh, i don't want to have strings attached to me ever again and so and that and I'm, i know we've all entrepreneurs have experienced a situation where you've created this organization and you realize it's it's yours, but it's like don't pay your mortgage in your house and, and the bank's going to take it kind of mentality Hmm. Interesting. Where do you find inspiration for your endeavors, future endeavors, endeavors you're getting into in the near future? Uh, well, I ask myself, what, I, what am I seeking to achieve with the organization? Uh, what societal impact that I want to make? Um, kind of what I want it to be known for, what it's going to speak about me to people who don't know me. They say, Cody made this company. What does that say about Cody? Uh, I, I like that to be positive. I like it to be forward pushing on society. Um, but really, it comes down to I want to have a strong, successful life uh, and secure life for my family. Um, I always tell people I'm ambitious, but I'm not greedy. Uh, it's It's really never been about the money, though – Making money and selling companies is fun. Uh, you know, it's it's nice having that security, but really, um, it, it's more so the impact and then being able to provide a, a good life for my family. That's kind of what the inspiration is. Um, part you know, part of it is uh, on, on a small scale is me doing things that I love, me challenging myself. 
itself, but it's, it's a very small portion to, to the other two. So what do you want people to say about you when the day is done and you're out of starting up and you're into the twilight stages? What do you want people to say about you or remember about you? You know, I always wanted to be, uh, I always aim to be a leader who is not fair, but consistent. I think consistency is one of my favorite words and it's treating people consistent. It's performing consistent. It's making consistent business decisions that are in line with uh, good nature and, and idea. And so I think consistency is something I want to be known for. Uh, I also want to be known for uh, being able to do what is best for everyone. I realize that as a business owner, uh, and even today, that when I make a decision, I'm actually not just impacting the business. What I'm impacting is the 20 people who work for me, their children, their spouses. And so, you know, I, I want to be known as a person when the decisions were made, it was for the greater good, utilitarian view of the entire organization. And so, um, I've, I've never been called a hypocrite. <laughs> I've never been someone who, who says, do as I say, not as I do. And so uh, those are things, those are two things that I would want to be known for um, once the twilight years come around. I never want to be known as a, a contradicting person or a hypocrite and things like that. Do you have goals or are these ventures and companies that you get involved with, they just seem to present themselves to you? Are, are you working towards something? Uh, I don't think there's an, I think to say I'm working towards something would be like there'd be an end point. Mm -hmm. um, I do want to retire in quotations uh, from operations at 40. And, and I will. Uh, I'll stop being a, a company operator at around 40. Um, and just because, you know, at that period in time, I want to focus more on investments. Uh, but I think that long-term is not really a goal. Um, I, because I would say that one thing that I, I never plan on doing is stopping. Uh, you know, I, I see great entrepreneurs and great business people. They get to a point and they stop. And then you look at them a year later and they look like they aged a decade. Um, I kind of want to be the person who just continues on always. Uh, you know, my uncle is a great example of that. You know, he's well into his eighties and he's still very active in his investment, very active in, in the world, not because he's planning for a future. Uh, Cause he, as he'll tell you his, he sees life through a rear view mirror, not the windshield anymore. Um, but he does it more so because it's fun. It's what he's always enjoyed. And so I think that, you know, my goal in it all is to cultivate freedom in my life. I, I want the ability to um, stop at 8.30 to take my child to school. I want to be able to stop when I want to stop, go where I want to go. And, and, and how I run my businesses and my ventures allow me that freedom to now enjoy the relationships that I, I value in my life. Wonderful. It's been a great conversation, Cody. Thank you so much for joining us. I've really enjoyed talking to you. You as well. Thank you for having me. 
Everybody, we will talk to you next week on The Health Hub. Hosted by Kathy Biasi, here on Radio Maria Canada.